Jesus is the only way to have peace with God. Though there is only one way to God, everyone's journey to Jesus is unique and magnificent. Here is a story of one's journey to Christ, now on Redemption Report. Welcome to Redemption Report. Today I have one of my friends, Laura Smith, and she's going to share how she came to know Christ as her Savior. So, Laura, thank you for joining us. Yep, glad to be here, Timmy. Yeah. So you and I have known each other for several years now, and but I don't know that I've ever heard your specific testimony of how you came to know Christ. So I'm I'm excited to hear that today. So how did you grow up? Tell us a little bit about where you grew up, kind of the background of how you uh, came to be a person. Okay. Well, uh, I was born in New Jersey and my family did move a lot. We weren't military, but uh, we moved frequently, but we were exposed to church and we did regularly attend church. And that was about the limit of that exposure. Uh, We weren't real involved in church activities outside of the services. Uh, So we had that and it was always a very positive experience for me. I would say the one other one year, my mom was a Sunday school teacher when I was younger. And so I do remember that. Um, So that, that was the primary uh, experiences that I had with faith and the Bible through growing up. Sure. So you grew up primarily in New Jersey? Oh, well, yeah. Um, so my younger years were in, some of them were in New Jersey, and that's where my first memories of church and attending church were at. Then we moved to Tacoma, Washington, and we did continue going to church, but many other activities as we became teenagers kind of took precedence over attending church. And at that time, then my parents said, well, if you want to attend the youth group or church, you can. And so I was very hit or miss at that point. But it was still a very positive thing, something that I wanted to have a part of my life. It just wasn't real consistent or regular. Sure. So you said we, so Mm -hmm. did you grow up with siblings then? Yes. So I have um, five siblings. There are six of us, three boys and three girls. So like the Brady Bunch, for those of you who know what that is. All one family. All one family. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Mom and dad and six kids, three boys, three girls. Uh, And Where did you fall in that lineup? I am fourth and out of six, uh, my younger, my younger brother's number five and number six, they are twin, twin boys. So I was around a lot of boys because then my next number three is a boy. So you were sandwiched right there. So I was sandwiched. Yeah, okay. I had two older sisters, but they were older enough that I wasn't around them a lot, but around a lot of boys. So Tacoma, Washington, you were mm-hmm. there starting? Fourth grade, fourth grade until on. graduated. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. High school. Very cool. So in, in all of that, like what, when do you first remember hearing the the name of Jesus or first hearing the gospel for the first time? Because it sounds like you were in and out of church. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't like necessarily a huge priority. It was still something your family did, which I think for that time period, a lot of people did go to church more so than maybe today. But when was the first time you heard the name of Jesus or the gospel? Okay. So because of uh, attending church, I was familiar with who Jesus was as a person. And I believed what I had heard. uh, And we did have Bible exposure or some uh, little bit of doctrine from Sunday services. 
and a, some Sunday school or a little bit youth group here or there. I would say that the idea of gospel was different in terms of every church, how they present it. My understanding, whether it was it was stated or just picked up, was that you be a good person, you make good choices, you be moral, and you go to church. That is the version of the gospel that I heard or what it means to be a Christian. It wasn't until later that I heard more specifically the Bible teaching on how you come to faith through salvation and belief. Okay. So growing up, it was more of kind of a, a moralistic type mm-hmm. belief structure. Yes. Okay. So what, when did you first hear the true gospel that Jesus is the only way to God and that you have to believe in him? Mm-hmm. I don't remember specifically. I I did. There was a time in high school that I became more involved in youth group. I probably heard something at that time um, because in this particular church and denomination, teenagers, if you're to hear it, probably was shared or taught a little bit more to them than elsewhere, than like on a Sunday service or a church event. But I don't remember specifically. Yeah. Yeah. But I had some awareness that at, at a certain point that I had a need for more okay. of faith and church. So when you first started feeling that that need for more, what were some of the uh, reservations or things that kind of hindered you from believing maybe right away? Or what, what was it that you felt you had to give up? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, so we had some church uh, teaching that was coming into my life, but a lot more from the world, whether it was television, music, friends. And so the draw to, um, you know, be involved in school and to do sports, to get good grades, to do all those things, success in my family was sort of a underlying motivating factor. So all of those things I thought that I needed to pursue and be, a good person, but pursue those things was the first priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, on the inverse side of that, mm-hmm. what was attractive to you about it? What what made following Christ something that you desired to do? Okay. And I would say at this point, following Christ wasn't quite, like how quite how I viewed it or thought okay. of it. It okay. would be going to church. Like that's a good thing to go to church. Uh, I would say there were things that I wasn't even aware of at that time, but it was uh, maybe what I did know of the person of Jesus Christ, what I thought the church was a safe place, a good place, um, because I'd had positive experiences. Uh, let's see. There were there, Actually, there were a few people in high school and some of them went to our youth group, some of them did not, who were Christians, and I respected them. And so I didn't know them really well, but I, I, and there's a couple in particular that did go to my youth group. And so they're, who they were as people, I respected. Hmm. So you just saw it kind of as a a better way to Mm go. Um, So what, obviously, you know, things transition from just kind of seeing it as that moralistic or just kind of like, oh, that's a good thing to do. What what were the circumstances surrounding your conversion when you finally gave over to Christ and said, you know, I, I do want to follow? 
Mm -hmm. Yes, um, that was a very clear uh, time in my life. As I went through college, there were times that I would run across Christian magazines or I would hear something on the radio or just sense um, God in creation. And that was a big draw for me. Not only do I love to be outdoors and seeing what God has created, but just sensing him in that. And then these messages that I would hear periodically and they were positive. And I thought, oh, you know, that that's great. That's good. But then I would go off and, you know, just kind of live my life. But then through some different choices that I made at that time in my life, things became more difficult. Um, consequences to choices that were not healthy, were not good. And I thought, this is, this is not where I want to be going. This is not the direction I want to be going in. But initially it was, I wasn't sure what to do. Uh, and, and I would say God just kept drawing me in ways that I wasn't seeking him out. And it just came down to a Christmas Eve service that I was at. We, uh, my church had a candlelight Christmas Eve service, and I did attend that. I wasn't attending church much at this point through college years. You, so this is college then? College, okay. mm -hmm. yes. Uh, early college. So um, I went to a Christmas Eve service, and there, you know, the traditional, you know, they have the little kids dressing up, and then the manger scene. I do not remember anything about that service other than there was baby Jesus, and it was this is God. This isn't baby Jesus. Cause my understanding was, Oh, the manger and baby Jesus. It's like, this is God. This is holy God. This is God, the father, God, the creator. That's who he is. Jesus is God. And it hit me like a lightning bolt. And I, I just remember thinking, wow, like this was a truth in who Jesus really is. And I thought, Oh, you know, this is, this is, very substantial and I need to really think and maybe I need to pray about this. Maybe I need to seek God through this. And through that, I uh, just sensed God leading me to say to surrender, to give up and surrender to him. And so a couple weeks later, I w um, prayed on my knees at home. I said, I, I don't e didn't even know really what I was thinking or doing for sure. I just knew this is what I needed to do. And so I prayed and just said, you know, Lord, you are God. You are way more amazing than I had thought you were, that I just thought Jesus as a person was a good person, but you are so much more than that. And so I want to follow you and whatever that means. And so I just, I give up. I give up. Don't want to make all the decisions and lead my life anymore in the way that I had been. And I, you know, I want you to help me. Wow. And I need your help. <laughs> That's exciting. So you know, a lot of times here, you know, maybe it's around Easter with Christ's resurrection or, you know, the payment for sin or fear of going to, you know, hell or separation from God. But this was actually Christ's birth that you, <laughs> you identified and had that aha moment that he is God. That, that's really fascinating. So then what, what, what happened after that? Like, did you tell people or did you just kind of anything yeah. change or? All I knew was I needed to go back to church, like regularly go to church. Okay. And I, I can't completely remember. I just knew I needed not only go to church, but I was supposed to serve and do something. And so I kind of looked around and I thought, well, I can help with um, youth. I can do that. And so I've always liked kids. And so I thought I can do that. 
And then I was able to be in a Bible study with a woman in the church who had a few women in her home. And so I was able to start studying and learning the Bible. And I had some women that were in my life and very grateful for that. Cool. Mm -hmm. So what, after your conversion and kind of getting involved in church again, how did that change the uh, trajectory, the course of your life? Like what changes did you see in your life long-term? Uh, it was a 180. Really? Oh yeah. Yes. Um, I, I just, I'd have to say it was just the Lord, the teaching people around encouraging me and just knowing I wanted to make different choices and to go in a different direction. So at the time I didn't have, I was in and out of kind of different colleges. And so I just thought in rela in relationships with friends and dating. And I thought, I just want to start over and I want to know what is it like to have a Christian friend, either a girl or a guy and just be friends and develop that friendship. And so I got involved in a college group at another church because they had a, a, a large colored group group. And several of the people from my high school went to that group. So again, and then the Lord just allowed for Christian friendships and good um, biblical teaching, uh, opportunities to serve and mentoring. I, I just, the Lord just laid all these things out and I just soaked it up like a sponge, I guess. And so um, made a lot of different choices, you know, how I used my time and how I used my money and different things like that. So uh, I was very fortunate, the, the teaching and friendships that uh, I had at that point that God brought in my life. Yeah. And as I've gotten to know you, I know you have a heart for, for missions and things. Mm -hmm. And so um, that, that type of work isn't just a, you know, there's, there's some moralistic good um, associated with it, but uh, when did those desires to reach the loss, whether it be supporting those who do go or going yourself, when did those start to uh, um, bubble up in you? There, well, I've always been fascinated by cultures. Um, when I was, I think in first grade, I stole money to buy a doll set from international dolls from all around the world. I stole money from everybody <laughs> and wanted, and then of course my parents were like, you, you're, you know, first grade, where'd you get all this money? So I said, oh, you know, and I'm a terrible liar. So I just started crying. So I had to give all the money back and. So you knew it was wrong, but you were trying to do it for good. <laughs> okay. but yeah. I wanted to get those dolls so bad. Well, my parents, um, being very merciful at the time that's what I got for Christmas was this international doll set. So I've always just been fascinated by other cultures and languages. Uh, I was exposed to French and Spanish in first and second grade. So, uh, so then fast forward to at this point in my life, uh, in college, there's a young woman who, uh, was, she had attended or she had attended the church that the college group was in. Um, but she'd already, she was, um, she had graduated from college, but she was uh, a missionary and she came back for a summer and led us a, a mis summer missions project is what it was called. And she shared about what she was doing. And I was just so drawn to that. And so I did sign up and I did a summer missions project to Mexico city. And, uh, that first year, I was able to attend that and go with her. And then she is still in my life. And she has been probably the biggest mentor, often from afar, because they were missionaries in France. 
so the Lord used her in my life uh, as an example of a, a Christian woman, as a someone who loves the nations and wants everyone to be able to hear about Jesus. And then the next year, I was able to lead the trip, and she mentored me through that from, again, from afar, but she was able to um, help me to then lead the team the following year. And I just loved every aspect, everything about it. <laughs> so how, you went down there two years? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. neat. Mexico City. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Any Anytime you get to go outside of our our nation's borders, it's, it's a totally different world. You mm-hmm. get to really learn a lot. So you've been following Christ for over 30 years, it sounds like at this point. And, you know, anyone I've ever talked to never says, well, I started following Christ and everything's been easy since then. Like that <laughs> we still have life. We still have that sin nature that, you know, we constantly have to fight against. So it's not like follow Christ and then life gets completely easy. Obviously there's access to peace and joy and things, but what would you say is, uh, some of or one of the biggest challenges you've faced or noticed in following Christ, since it's not just easy to to follow Christ, what is one of the things that you've noticed in your 30 plus years of following Christ that has been uh, one of the biggest or toughest challenges? I think a a common one for people is their expectations of God, thinking he's going to be a certain way or do certain things, or one of the biggest fallacies that I had to learn, you know, is the concept that God is good. Yes, he is good. But then I thought that meant everything would be easy and and good, good and, you know, easy. Uh, And so in learning that it is part of his plan for suffering and for us to be humbled and those difficult things cause us to grow. Why we as humans have to grow the most when we're struggling and it's hard, I don't know, but it just definitely seems to be the case. So I I would say just the idea that God is good even when things are hard and painful um, and and maybe beyond our own control that sometimes we think we can manage things or control things. And then we realize we can't (laughs) and we can, he's always there. So that's like the hope is that he is always there. Um, He has truth that can help us. He has people that we, he can bring into our lives to help us. And all those aspects of how he works through pain and difficulty and suffering we can still have hope because he is good yeah and to keep telling yourself that, that he is good you have to keep preaching it to he yourself yeah 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 it's that's definitely one of those things that like you said you have to live it out in order to understand it or to learn that that truth you can't just you know i can't just sit here and, and tell you oh yeah god's good like okay but when you go through difficult times when you go through loss or challenge uh where things don't make sense you're just like god where are you in this mm-hmm. um that's when you can start to learn that lesson like you shared mm-hmm. um, that that's so true so mm-hmm. it someone who's listening to this if you, they were to leave with just one thing what would be one thing you'd want them to take away from your story or what, what's one message you would want to leave with them? Good question. 
I, I well, what one verse that the that God brought in my life early on, and that I've kind of circled back to, is that sometimes we think that if we follow who He is, and if we are going to surrender and have the Holy Spirit helping us and leading us, comforting us, and all these positive things, we're afraid that He will ask too much of us or that following him will be too hard, that we'll have to give up too many things. And so the verse that um, God used early on was Philippians 3, that compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing him, I consider everything a loss because knowing him is so amazing and true, and he is good, Um that some of those things that we think we can't live without or that we can't walk away from or that we're not able to continue doing, that for me, they're a loss. And it's who he is that is just beyond any of those things that I've given up. And then there's all the, you know, all the things that who he is then can strengthen us and give us hope and give us courage and uh, forgiveness, all these other things that are good that most people kind of are aware of, you know, with the Christian faith. Um, so that would be what I would maybe want to leave a little bit with. Yeah. No. Well, I appreciate you taking time to share your story. I think as I, I listen to you share all that, one thing that I take away is the fact that, you know, I think a lot of people can identify with kind of growing up in that moralistic good you know um, behavior equals favor with God type background whether it be um, in a church context or whether it just be in a you know living your life just trying to be a, a good person mm-hmm. and how you know as you shared obviously any of these stories can go longer and longer with more <laughs> details because we all live 24 hours a day 365 to get to where we're at, but you were talking about how it didn't satisfy. It wasn't enough just to be a good person. And even that motivation just to be a good person wasn't enough to make you be a good person. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until you came to know Christ that that changed. You said the 180, like where if your moralistic behavior was the thing that was getting you to, you know, favor with God, you wouldn't have to do a 180 at the time. But <laughs> the fact is that you did because that wasn't a, enough in and of itself. So I, I think that's definitely a, a really cool aspect of your story that other people can benefit from from hearing that, hey, I've, I've tried it this way and it, it doesn't work. Well, it doesn't mean I was, you know, off killing people or doing all these terrible things that sometimes people say, oh, well, I wasn't that bad. But mm-hmm. still, you were able to identify like, I don't have what I need to be with God and... uh so so glad that you found that and are able to to share that with us now so well thank you for joining us and my uh, pleasure yeah coming on a podcast is not an easy task especially one that uses bright lights and cameras for that reason i'm especially thankful laura smith accepted my invitation to share her story about how she came to have peace with god Her takeaway, shared toward the end of the conversation regarding counting everything else as loss compared to the surpassing glory of Christ, was certainly something I encourage you to listen to again, as it has been a challenge for me to consider 
what I treasure more than Christ, and in turn, how I need to reprioritize my desires. This concludes episode three of Redemption Report. Liking, subscribing, and following certainly helps this podcast grow along with sharing it with others. Next week, I have my friend Aaron Dobbins joining, and you certainly won't want to miss his story. As always, be sure to check out more episodes either on YouTube or major podcasting sites, and you're welcome to contact me directly by going to twareproductions.com. See you next time on Redemption Report. Redemption Report.